Welcome back to another edition of the Wits Up podcast. It is fantastic to see all of your friendly faces out there. Now, off the back of our Sunny Coast and Cairns coverage, we had quite a few people sign up to become Wits Up Patreon members, and I cannot thank you enough. Um, not, not only does it give us um, the opportunity to continue to bring you great stories, content, coverage, all of the greatness that we love bringing you uh, weekly, if not daily, uh, it also gives us a lot of confidence that we're doing the right thing. Uh, so in both respects, we we honestly cannot thank you enough. Um, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, we have a Patreon platform, which is just essentially a membership platform where you can decide what level membership you would like uh, to contribute to WitsUp. And it obviously just helps us, I guess, from a um, a bit more of a subscription-based model to continue doing what we are doing here uh, at WitsUp. All you need to do if you're interested in checking that out is head on over to Patreon. That is P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Wits up. Um, now, again, off the back of Cairns, we thought this would be a great opportunity to catch up with the Cairns 2020 champion, Amelia Watkinson. And so she is who I am chatting to today. Well, the screen stays recording. Is it saying Hello. that? Yep. Can you hear Hi, me? Hi, Steph. <laughs> is, is it saying recording? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're at 17 seconds. What an intro. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you remember how I said to you we've got to, like, stay silent for about 15 seconds? Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Do you need to start again? <laughs> I'm definitely keeping this in there, but for 15 <laughs> seconds starting now, it just helps with editing afterwards. So I just I need you to be quiet for 15 seconds. Okay? Starting? Yeah. Now. Okay, you ready to talk now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was almost holding my breath for 15 seconds to make sure I didn't mess it up. <laughs> I can I can sense the tension. I I could actually feel your lungs starting to uh yeah, burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, I mean, I love starting podcasts this way by bagging out my guest. Um, welcome to the Wits Up podcast. And I'm going to say Amelia Rose Watkinson. Is that right? Yes. Thank you very much, Steph. I'm not quite sure why I started including the Rose. It's definitely my middle name, but people went with it. So that's quite nice. So this was my first question because... Your, you, you've got it on your Instagram, right? It's a, Amelia Rose Watkinson. Um, yeah, that is, yeah. And then it's, but it's also um, your website as well. So I was like, I've, I've only ever called you Amelia Watkinson. Am I, do we need to be saying the Rose? Is that like a hyphenated first name or your middle name? It's definitely my middle name. You know, I think that when I first started making my social accounts, probably, I don't even know how many years ago. There must have been another Amelia Watkinson and I needed to, you know, separate separate myself from uh, from everyone else. Gotcha. Not that it's gotcha. a common name or anything, but clearly there was another Amelia Watkinson. Okay. So you're not going to be offended if I just call you Amelia Watkinson? 
Yeah, no, that's okay. If the extra word is too much of a mouthful. Well, I mean, there's plenty of syllables in Amelia and Watkinson. It's just another syllable, uh, you know, for someone who does commentating, it it just, it adds a whole new level. So I appreciate it if I don't have to add another syllable. (laughs) Yeah, no, some people shorten my name just to meals. They forget everything else and it's only one. Do you think that that is very much an Australian thing versus a New Zealander thing, shortening of names, or does that happen in Kiwiland as well? I think that everyone's everyone's lazy. They just shorten everything as much as possible. <laughs> it's definitely Australian. Yeah, no, it's primarily Australian, isn't it? <laughs> I think so. I think so. How long have you been in Queensland for now? Uh, we have been here for we've been living here for two years um probably a year of that i've spent overseas uh yeah of course so two years i so you know i've someone who we know quite well told me the other day that you're starting to uh pick up a few queensland isms uh things like (laughs) a or no what do you say at the end of a sentence a or that might be that might be new zealand do you say I have, I have copped a bit of grief for that one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, you've picked you, that up. I don't do it on purpose. Don't worry. It's it's very much a bad subconscious habit. <laughs> uh, why Queensland? Well, I spent – I sort of made my debut professional year in 2016 where I spent the whole year in Asia. And mm-hmm. on the Tanya Para team, 2017, almost the whole year in Europe. And then we sort of decided that I needed to pick a, we need, well, then I met, I met Alex somewhere amongst all that. And we decided that we needed to find a home because traveling indefinitely is, it just doesn't work. So we wanted somewhere conducive to triathlon, warm. And it sort of had to be New Zealand or Australia. And I love being from New Zealand, but it is a lot colder, a little bit further away. And I I've, I was ready for a change. Fair enough. How did you meet Alex? We are both obviously triathletes roaming around the, <laughs> um, the Asian islands. We met actually first time in the Philippines, in Cebu. Just love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so grew up in New Zealand. Whereabouts in New Zealand did you grow up? I grew up in Auckland, a little bit disappointing to some people. It's the main city, <laughs> but it's a nice place. We live just out of the city. There's plenty of parks, not far to the to the beach and a lot of the mountains out the back of the Waitaki Ranges. Are the beaches in Auckland, um, is the sand golden sand or black sand or is that just on the another coast where it's black sand? Mm, the west coast is black sand and the east coast and northern beaches are all white. I don't know if it's golden, but oh. it's, it's nice <laughs> enough. So, okay, so you grew up in Auckland. Um, who... How did you get involved in sport? Because I guess before triathlon, cycling was your, was your background. Is that right? Yeah. 
So yes. how did you get involved in in sport through through school, through your parents, through friends? Yeah, I think that our generation's really lucky. Sports was massive um, right through school. We we're encouraged to do all the team sports. I sort of played baseball and soccer and netball and basketball and and loved it all. Um, and it's tricky. It sort of happened quite organically. I was always really fit. Um, we, you know, we used to do the beep test and run laps Ooh. of the field and that sort of thing for team sports. And I was often often the best at those and people would sort of compete with me. And I, I knew something um, when that was the best part of, of the day was actually doing these fitness tests rather than playing the game on a Saturday morning. <laughs> and I... I sort of, I guess cross country was compulsory, although a lot of people used to weasel their way out of those sorts of things as well. And um, I think some friends encouraged me to do my first triathlon in a team where I was the runner. Loved that. Felt sort of guilty that I didn't do the whole thing. And I think I... Oh, there's so there's so many different factors that all come come together. Our neighbour was Joe Lorne and her husband Amanda, and I was sort of wanting to pick, you know, a really big support, and I was deciding between cycling and rowing. And yeah. I just started talking to them, and they were like, "Oh, you know, stick with cycling. It's amazing. Then you can do triathlon." So gradually, uh-huh. I did cycling, then into triathlon, and. I certainly wasn't sensational when I first started, but I loved it. Yeah, right. I, I, I think I knew that Joe was your neighbour, but I completely forgot until you just said it. Then is that quite a well-known tidbit? Or oh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I think. Well, as as professional athletes, you run, <laughs> you run and bike multiple times a day. But I, I remember my mum sort of saying, you know, we've got these crazy neighbours who are running or biking past, you know, and sometimes you'd see them three or four times going for a run. <laughs> and so one day yeah. she stopped them and asked them what they were doing and slowly the story, story unravelled. Um, I used to sort of just go and knock on the door and say hi and they'd invite me in and tell me what they'd done for the day and, and this sort of thing. And they actually helped me buy my first bike. No way. So, well, I saved up for it. My granddad came up with a deal that if I could uh, save half, he'd top me up the other half. And they helped me take me to the bike shop. They at least knew what was what. I still didn't know the difference between a mountain bike and a track bike and a triathlon bike. So that was all quite exciting. So what kind of uh, age were you when all this was happening? I was 15, 14 or 15. I think Jo Lorne, um, you know, in her day she was obviously huge. Like everyone, knew, especially in New Zealand, everyone knew her. But I don't think athletes these days can completely appreciate uh, just how amazing Jo Lorne was. And maybe that's just because, I don't know, sometimes we're quite a young sport and I don't know maybe if we reflect on some of those champions as much as we should Um, because to me she's one of the best athletes the sport has seen Mm. and obviously that kind of you know 
I guess that's kind of the relationship you had with her as well. Like being in, well, being her next door neighbor, she, she was triathlon to you. Is that, you know, is that fair? Yeah. Or at least, and she was Ironman. And I guess what was special is I really directly got to see what it took. I just couldn't believe, you know, if I was sick and I came around to say hello, (laughs) they of course were training for a big important race and it was be like, "Uh uh-uh, you can't come near us. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, that's really crazy. And how they, you know, you'd sit down all day between your sessions because you need to recover. And I was just blown away by these, uh, by these ideas. I didn't, I didn't realize what it took, I suppose. Same with their diet and nutrition when you actually see it in person, when it's so foreign to you at the time. Um, yeah. I was just in awe of sort of the challenge of it all. Yeah, right. So, and even at 15, um, did you comprehend, I guess, the enormity of of Kona um, and, you know, understanding what that was? Well, you know, I trained for my events as well and they were very small. We could race every weekend. and. Mm-hmm. I couldn't quite relate it, but I thought it was amazing. So I knew the facts and I knew their lifestyle. And obviously that's what it took to get there. And yeah, I decided that it was, I think I've, I told you on the interview that it was, I did, I had it on my bucket list as a kid, along with some other crazy adventures that I've, I'm not even near doing just yet, but (laughs) Hawaii was one of them. And yeah. Okay, so you got into cycling. Um, what was then the trigger uh, to move over to triathlon? Well, I I sort of thought it was – I was fairly decent at running just at a, a regional level, and I sort of thought it was a waste that I wasn't able to run because most cyclists couldn't run. <laughs> so I thought, <laughs> you know, I can do triathlon. I just need to learn how to swim. And um, I think I didn't work out that I needed to learn how to swim until I did my first race and it was a very shocking experience. Um, And I I was just excited to learn to put it all together, to do three sports in one. I, I just thought it was really unique. And then I can still do cycling and triathlon and it was just more diverse. Yeah. I think any cyclist who might be listening to this would be just, uh, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Some cyclists can run. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, No, but I think like any, but any cyclist listening would be like, um, I love that you said that it was a waste because, you know, you were decent at running, but any cyclist would be like, oh God, running is the devil. Um, because it just destroys uh-huh. their legs, you know. Um, I can just imagine they'd be, I don't know what it is about cyclists and triathletes. They're like um, enemies almost. There is a funny little war going on between them, isn't it? Sometimes yeah. if I'm going to a bunch ride for the first time, you sort of have to say, yeah, I'm a triathlete, but I have a cycling background. Just yeah. to sort of lighten <laughs> them up and hopefully they'll be more welcoming. <laughs> I do know how to use a bike. I don't just go in a straight line. I do have skills. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay, so 15, you started getting interested in cycling, um, but you also 
went to uni as well to study architecture. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, I, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I always thought that I wanted to be an, an architect. Or not always. I shouldn't say always. That's an absolute lie. I, I often would think, oh, that'd be a cool job but then did nothing else about it. So that, it was an absolute lie what I just said. Um, but why why architecture? I love design and art in school, um, physics and maths, and I was good at it. So I think, in, I think in school we went and saw our careers advisor and that was probably one of the suggestions. But I also had family friends, friend who was an architect and I was also really inspired by him and his work. And I liked the the office and the space. And um, sport was definitely not what I was, was striving towards when I was in my last few years of high school. It was definitely sport and a career path. Um, so... I was I was a hundred percent into into university, and it probably wasn't until once I was there that I I really decided to pursue triathlon a little bit further. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Um, when I was at in high school and uni, I I you know have been involved in sport forever, but I also had that mentality of I I had sport, but I also needed a career, and uh, I don't know if it was because I was from a small, you know, I grew up in Tassie and I don't know if it was because there maybe just weren't as many sporting opportunities as careers in Tassie as there are, say, here in um, Victoria, that mm. I just I just didn't, I didn't see those opportunities and I really thought that that's what I had to do. Career and sport were two completely different things. Um, yeah. I've now joined them back together in some capacity, not as a professional uh, athlete, but, you know, doing what I do. And I wonder, do you think that was um, because you never saw a real opportunity to make a career in in the sporting industry? Well, I think I think the opportunities were definitely there. Obviously, I knew Joe, but I didn't envisage yeah. myself there. Uh, I was talented, but not out of this world when I was younger. And I knew that people said, you know, only one in a million of these athletes actually are going to make it as a professional. So you have to have a backup plan. And I guess I, I had kind of believed that as well. Um, and I loved university and schoolwork. So I had, you know, it wasn't like I was neglecting. I didn't, it's not as though I didn't do the sporting path at that stage because the opportunity wasn't there. I, I definitely had the choice. Yeah, you just didn't see it for yourself at that point in time. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I and I loved university, and I really wanted, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, right. I want to um, touch on something that you said in um, the post race interview from Cairns last weekend, and also congratulations on an epic, epic race. Thank you. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, during these COVID times, uh, and it was probably a, it was truly unexpected the way that the interview went um, after the race uh, with both you and Renee. You're both really open and raw and vulnerable, um, expressing your feelings 
about what's happened in the last, you know, six months since uh, COVID has hit the world and if not longer than that. And you sort of touched on the fact that um, you have had to look at other ways of earning a living um, and really questioning, I guess, and correct me if, I'm, if I've misinterpreted any of this, but mm. uh, questioning yourself as a professional athlete in terms of being able to make a living uh, because racing isn't readily available right now um, and, you know, just really wondering what you're going to do with your with your life and, and your career. And... I don't know, like just listening to you talk about uni, saying that you had the, you felt like you had to have this backup. Is like, did kind of those emotions start being stirred up again, where you felt like you needed a backup in case this pro triathlon thing wasn't going to work out because of things that are out of your control? Yeah, for sure. So obviously, I finished my university degree and I worked to pay through that, like most students, and mm-hmm. the opportunity for the triathlon came up. Um, and I've been chipping away at triathlon for, for a number of years. So, oh, what am I trying to, what am I trying to say? (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely, I definitely have been questioning myself because I've, I've actually been, had my professional license for five years now and I've made an inroad, but to call yourself a professional athlete, you definitely have to be making a living from it. And I was hopeful that this year was going to be that first year where I really successfully, that was how I made my living. And unfortunately for everyone, it got turned upside down. And I guess, of course, you have a lot of self-doubt in whether, you know, you've been chasing this and pursuing this and it's, it's not, it's just not meant to be. Um, I'm also starting to get older. I just turned 29 a week ago. So the opportunity oh to, to get, it sounds silly. And everyone older than me tells me I'm not old. <laughs> but oh, everyone knows when you're there, you feel, you feel like the world is moving so fast and you don't want, you want to keep it, keep up with it. Um, I'm well aware that I need another career path after triathlon and how to balance that. So you need the races to justify to yourself that what you're doing is right. And without that, you're really left out in the open. Right. I've never heard anyone really put it like that, that you need the races to, I guess, evaluate where you're at. And I've never really heard another athlete sort of put it quite so black and white is that and I think that's a really fair point it sounds like there's of course a lot more to triathlon we don't do triathlon to make a living and we don't necessarily do it to win um Mm. it's a lot deeper and more emotional than that but that's kind of reality is if you're going to Mm. do it you have to be able to live yeah absolutely do you so the architecture, uh, and you touched on this when you're talking about university as well, that you in, you really enjoyed it and uh, you like the, I, I, I guess, the creative side of, of that as well as the, the science and the, the maths behind it. But since you've sort of been pushing more towards being a professional triathlete, um, 
do do you get an opportunity to explore those creative outlets at all? Not really. I worked while I was studying, while I was in university. I worked in the industry. Since mm-hmm. then, I suppose I've always been so focused on making it as a triathlete that I've prioritized that and I've always sourced very flexible part-time work to to be very secondary so that I'm focused on on triathlon. It allows me to travel, which is a huge part of the sport that I like. And yeah. a secure, unfortunately, um, there's totally a way to make, I could have sourced a creative job and be making that work, but I haven't yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about any, um, even outside of work though, What do you have any other creative outlets? Do you, do you paint or do cross-stitch or play an instrument or I can't think of anything else at the moment. I definitely uh, don't play. <laughs> no, I, I can't do poetry and I definitely can't play an instrument. I'm in awe of people that can play an instrument. Um, I love doing a bit of house DIY and gardening, kind of making things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I quite like the hands-on sort of, I um, people joke that I'd be a good tradie. <laughs> really? But um, I'm not not that extravagant. But I I, I really like that. I, my one of my dreams is to build my own house one day, with assistance, Ooh. of course. Yeah, where would that house be? You know, I don't know. I haven't travelled enough of the world yet. But it'd probably be somewhere in Australia at this stage. It's a lot ah. more complicated, unfortunately, with visas and things. It's not that easy to live overseas, and I also only speak English. Okay. <laughs> but I could learn. If something's if a certain location steals my heart, I'm definitely would love to learn. So, well, and that's almost another art form as well, is learning another language. I've had that on my list of things to do for a long time, but anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm pretty rubbish at other languages. It's certainly a specific skill set. Um I love it that is. Europeans can speak so many languages. Yeah. Uh, so, but I remember in high school, so we, and I don't know what they teach in Australian schools these days, but we had to learn uh, Japanese, German, actually I think that was it. I think that was actually it. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, yeah, like you did that for half a year and then you could decide to, to continue studying that one, but I, I never did. Um, but I wonder what it would be these days. Did, what languages did you learn at school, considering you're 10 years younger than me, by the way? <laughs> so, so fucking old. <laughs> so that's why my age comment really, really drilled in. Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And also because I'm really tired at the moment and so many people keep telling me how tired I look. So like, oh, everyone. <laughs> sorry, Steph, that was one of my first comments. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> you need to put a mask on next time. Scare us all a little bit more. Um, what was my question? Oh, what what languages Languages. did you learn at school? French, yep, French and Japanese. But the problem was is that I liked them, but I was bad at them and they would lower my grade point average. So therefore I didn't take them. Oh, smart. (laughs) 
I see. I see. So what um what kind of student student were you? Do you think? Quite I did studious. Uh, yeah, I, I loved learning. I still do. Um, I took all the arts art science um, subjects because I wanted good grades, so it made sense to do what you were good at. <laughs> what are the subjects then? Oh, man, you're taking me back. Geography, physics, calculus, and design and graphics, I think, were my subjects. I never took the sport ones because I thought that I had enough of that outside my schooling life. Chemistry yeah. as well. I think you needed certain subjects to get into university. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I um so I loved maths but hated science, which I is a bit weird because science is a like a form of maths in terms of formulas and whatnot, but I think it really came down to the teachers. I wasn't a fan of my science teachers. And I often think, like, I wonder how much that actually changes your direction if you don't yeah. have the right mentor or the the right leader, you know? It would do massively. Yeah, teachers mm. play an important role. They're underpaid. Yes, that's what we're here to say on the Wits Up podcast. Teachers are <laughs> underpaid. Let's, but no, but you're right. And I feel like everyone, particularly in Australia, I'm, I'm not too sure what's happening across the globe at the moment, but. So many kids are being uh, homeschooled at the moment and I think everyone has had a massive jolt uh, and a wake-up to realise that teachers are dreadfully underpaid in this country. <laughs> I have heard that coming out a lot of parents' mouths. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm just glad Frankie's only two. We don't need to be, yeah, she's not at school yet. I don't know. I mean, Brett could teach her home economics. I can maybe teach her how to build a covey. <laughs> and a little bit about triathlon yeah exactly exactly um okay so back to school growing up um mum and dad um how do you think they played a role in the direction that you started taking who who do, who do you take after the most out of mum and dad well my mum unfortunately my dad passed away when I was very young so mum okay. has done a fantastic job of raising three kids um, and she loved sport. She thought it was uh, super important for all of us and put us in just about everything possible. I think that also made her job easier when it came to putting us to bed because we were all exhausted. So right. she herself, um, she wasn't a professional athlete, but I think she has a lot of qualities of one uh, and She's very de um, de determined and independent herself. She actually was a ballet dancer when she was young. Wow. I didn't inherit any of the finesse or um, <laughs> coordination that that involves, unfortunately. Yep. <laughs> but uh, certainly some of those, those other sideline qualities um, she really instilled in us. And sorry, so you, brothers and sisters, where, where do you all fit, fit in the timeline? I'm the eldest. I've got a younger yep. brother and sister. They're six and eight years younger than me. They used to call me uh, Mamelia because uh, clearly that was the role I uh, played. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and sorry, how old were you when your dad passed away? Um, I was about two or three. Oh, okay, right. So, unfortunately, you don't 
your memories would be from stories, I guess, that your mum and your grandparents have told you. Mm. Yeah, we had a yeah. good relationship with our grandparents. I used to often go and stay with my granddad. He had a farm up in northern, the north of the North Islands of New Zealand um, in a small country town. So I used to quite enjoy going to the country school and having um, acres and acres of land to roam around on the quad bike and things. Yeah, and that's, sorry, that's your dad's dad? Uh, Mum's dad. Your mum's dad. And is this the granddad that helped you buy your first bike as well? Yes. So he ah. played quite a he played quite a good role um, when I was yeah. younger, which was nice. Right. So is it fair to say that he was definitely a a strong male role model in yours and your brother and sister's lives? Yeah, I'd say so. He also passed away when I was about sixteen. So, oh, geez. Everyone, everyone dies. <laughs> I'm like about to say, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to have brought this up. And you're just like, yeah, everyone dies. It's okay. I, mean, I right. don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> A lot of my family's died, so it happens. It's part of life. Um, I don't think any of us take it. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I whenever the it comes up in conversation, I haven't, I mean, fortunately, haven't had anyone super close to me pass away. Um, I mean, my dad's parents have passed away and obviously, yes, there are strong ties, but, um, you know, I hadn't had a lot to do with them, particularly as we got a little bit, little bit older. Um, so I haven't, I haven't had to experience that. And I find if it comes up in a conversation such as this, I, I do find myself getting a little bit un- uncomfortable because I don't know the best way to broach the subject or continue with the subject oh that's okay it happens um I don't mind at all I I have bizarre philosophy of kind of everything happens for a reason so that's yeah that (laughs) (laughs) so that's that (laughs) um that's that's to be like one of your uh you know captions or something and that's that with amelia rose (laughs) (laughs) i understand that it deeply affects some people um and it's it affects me as well but you can't let it haunt you because that's not going to do anybody any favors yeah okay so all right so i imagine when you're 16 and your granddad is a man who has played or you just you know played a pretty pretty big role in your life um you know my granddad like I often talk about him he he played a big role in my life as well or he I guess he still does to an extent um what kind of um attributes do you think that you got from from him or learnt from him uh he was hardworking, so he had a, a farm. He had those big sort of manual labour hands. They had a earthworks and engineering company, so lots of land. Um, he drove normally drove his little truck, which had that sort of dirt, oil, grease smell about it. Um, and I still sort of, when I smell that smell, associate it with um, him and his property. So... It's it's nice. Um, it was also a lot of fun, and yeah. a big big believer in uh, always having a morning tea 
stop. You know, he never worked through the morning and afternoon tea breaks. They were an integral part of the day. (laughs) I love that. So that's you? Are you like one of these cyclists that you, you absolutely need to be stopping at stopping at a coffee shop um, after a long ride before you head home for the same uh, reason, morning tea Yeah, break? definitely. Yeah. As a kid, I had um, like hyperglycemia, so I can't <laughs> – I really struggled to go more than a few hours without eating. Um, I think after afternoon tea, my mum used to give me, you know, half a dozen glucose jelly beans to bring my blood sugar levels back down. So, so snack breaks are always um, a big part of my day. <laughs> Actually, and on that, speaking of snacks, uh, I can't believe I didn't start this podcast um, with this question. What cake did your flatmate make for you uh, <laughs> upon your arrival home from Iron Man Cans? Yes, Meg, Meg is a brilliant friend. She um, tried her hand at a Donahay uh food processor carrot cake it was very good with vanilla um with cream cheese icing right so <laughs> i have an i have an issue with carrot cake it, uh, why why just have a cake oh i love it i love my vegetables so mixing it with cake is perfect okay oh, look i'll let you have it but okay thank you just, yeah <laughs> there was no pineapple in it don't worry what what who puts pineapple in a carrot cake oh lots of people it's the same as the pineapple on the pizza question is okay what i i've okay i clearly i mean i don't i just don't do carrot cake i don't get it it's just but okay each to their own i'm not judging you okay so calm down (laughs) i'm not judging you um but, but have never heard of anyone putting pineapple in it but again whatever Pizza, I don't mind having a Hawaiian pizza. I don't oh, mind pineapple see, on a pizza. See, and now oh. you've gone down a notch on my um, <laughs> on my level. <laughs> but okay, but I've got it. I've got a little proviso. If you are getting a proper sort of wood fired pizza, nothing mm. beats a margarita, and you don't ruin that with pineapple and other nonsense. But yeah. if you're getting more of like your just local takeaway, not pure Italian, beautifully made pizza dough, then I, like I almost feel like the the pineapple on a pizza helps sort of hide that it's nowhere near as good as a really good wood fire pizza. So that's when I'm okay with it. Okay. I would rather hide mine with hot sauce, but I'll let you have the pineapple. Okay. Thank you. You can have your hot sauce because I start to sweat and cry. <laughs> when I can't deal with anything spicy. I can't do it. <laughs> well, I lived in Asia for a year, so even though I what was one of my first uh, sentences I learned in Thai was "nitnoi pied," which means no spice, thank you. Really? No, no spice. They still just sneak a little bit in, so you have just to learn to love it. Right. So, has your threshold, like in training, has your threshold improved in spicy intake? A hundred percent. Excellent spice intake. I rate myself not quite as high as maybe the Indian culture, but um, right. I'm pretty good for a white person. <laughs> that's going to be the, that's going to be the title of this episode, Amelia Watkinson. <laughs> pretty good for a white person. <laughs> I love ethnicities, so hopefully no one skews that out of context. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. 
I love traveling and I love culture. So there's no harm meant against that comment. <laughs> Uh, have you ever watched that show on YouTube, I think it is, where he puts um, different levels of spiciness on chicken wings and him and his guests have to eat it? And it's an interview, but they keep it keeps on getting hotter and hotter and hotter. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, but I imagine the sound effects would be amusing. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. And Gordon Ramsay was on there once, who I thought would probably have a pretty good, you know, threshold but he was rubbish he doesn't do he doesn't do spicy food oh oh yeah i think i find my meals are a lot more satisfying like dinner i'm totally satisfied with a little bit of spice whereas i might want more or something if there's no spice okay that's interesting it's also good for your metabolism ah okay didn't think about it like that Mm. Okay. There we go. Now more people that? will be interested in uh, spice, won't they? Once they hear that it's a fat burning technique. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't do it. I just it. I, it makes me cry. It just tears, tears and sweat. I do not find it enjoyable, and then I can't taste the rest of the food. So it's kind of pointless for me. <laughs> I draw the line. Um, what does your brother and si- what do your brother and sister do? Uh, my younger brother was actually a talented rower, but, ah. um, I think he, he got too good too quickly and he, he gave it in a little bit, unfortunately, as much, um, pressure as my mom and I gave him to try and keep going. Not pressure. That's not very nice. Is it motivation? Um, <laughs> it's a fine line, <laughs> but, uh, he's now working in sales. And my younger sister has been traveling around the UK for the last couple of years and Europe. She is planning on studying something along the lines of psychology or law next year at uni. Oh, wow. She's currently working as a teacher aide. So she has good work stories of the Uh, naughty little kids. (laughs) So is she back in New Zealand or still overseas? Yeah, no, she needed to return home after, well, at the start of the year. Right. Um, and are you, what did you, you said you're about six years older. Um, mm. Are you, you moving around at the moment? Oh, no, sorry. I'm going back. No, that's right. <laughs> Sit still. Were you, yeah. were you just uncrossing your legs? Or do you get yeah, cramped? I was. I was moving around a little bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> I've been sitting still for 36 minutes. I'm, I'm impressed, not only because I know that you, you, you're not a fan of sitting still, but also you've just come back from uh, winning Ironman Can. So I imagine the body's still a little bit stiff. Mm. Yeah. I'm coping. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I'm just playing with the spare cable in my hand as well. I, I'm currently habits. playing with a pen. Oh, that's okay yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. I Just constantly don't chew it. Why not? Well, because I hate picking up pens that people have been chewing on. Well, don't it's pick COVID. up other people's pens. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay. Take my own with me. I literally just put my pen in my mouth while I was talking to you then. I know. I, don't, I, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could sense that you're a pen chewer. Yep. I'm a pen chewer, but, I, yeah, but I'm also someone who when – they someone says don't do something. I I, I tend to do it. Oh. So 
Yeah. Okay. I'm sitting to, still. <laughs> no, but to the point, my friends have used me as entertainment for many, many years at parties. Um, things like, I bet Steph won't drink this cup of tomato sauce um, because they know that I can't turn down a dare. So I've done that, oh, which is gross. really gross. <laughs> Don't do it. It's really vinegary. Goodness. Yeah. So I can't eat hot food, spicy food, but I can do stupid, stupid shit like that for, for a dare. And I, yeah. yeah, I've done plenty of dares in my time. Mm, that sounds interesting. What's your, uh, yeah. what's your best dare? Oh, my best one? Uh, well, I mean, it's a sliding scale of best and stupid or, you know, most brave. Intri- like, most outrageous. Most outrageous. Um, oh, God. Oh, that's a really good question. Now I can't even really think of one of them because they're all pretty stupid because it, like, it ranges from like cliff jumping, but anyone will do that, um, to, oh, I once drank, this is now that outrageous, but it's pretty gross. Um, you know, like um, at, a, at a bar, there's the slops tray under the beer Oh, yeah, that is very gross. <laughs> <laughs> you drank so, that. Yeah, they did me, but they also I also I think I earned 35 bucks or something, so I managed to yeah, buy myself some drinks <laughs> for doing it. So <laughs> stupid. You got free beer and some normal beers after. Mm. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. And and all it is, like it's not like people are spitting in that. It's just beer that's just been mixed together. And mm. probably warm and flat, but mm. whatever. And so when it runs outrageous. down the fingers of the, all the staff that have been touching everything, <laughs> it's like a nice I'm bit of fingered, finger sweat. I, <laughs> I'm sensing a little bit of um, germophobia from you. Well, that's what the media have been like plugging into us for the past six months. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Actually, Frankie's addicted to soap, to um, hand sanitizer. Um, and when playgrounds opened up again uh, and other people were there, she would like grab me and go, People. I'm like, Oh my God, what have we created? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, yep. Um, back to brother and sister. Are you quite close to them? There's a bit, like you said, there's like a six and an eight year gap, did you say? I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I think our family's all all quite close. We definitely value family and mm. keep in touch fairly regularly. Yeah. Your mum seems like a um, bit of a superstar um, raising three kids. It's impressive. Yeah. I never – yeah, she she enjoys uh, watching the wet stuff coverage too. She thought <laughs> that your job of cans was very good. Uh, I did notice her pop up uh, on the comments quite a few times. I like that she <laughs> was interacting with us. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, she's following along. Do, is she? Um, is she one? I mean, I know that she stayed with you guys in Queensland a bit. Is she following your career quite quite closely? Closely. Well, you know, as a kid, actually, we used to go away, sort of, um, as a squad, and. You know, I might have won or got on the podium of an event and other parents would offer me their mobile phones to to ring my mum and, you know, say how well I did. 
but I used to always like to wait until I got home to tell her in person. But she never really made much of a fuss. So I kind of I used to oh. used to think that, you know, it wasn't quite I don't know, not good enough, but I just didn't think, you know, it was that impressive, you know. But it's probably since I've gotten older that I've realized that she was proud. It was just she didn't show it or make a fuss because that's just not the type of person she was. So now that I'm older and when she shares my photo on social media and sort of I give I normally give her a call afterwards and it's quite nice to know how much she actually cares. That's interesting. Do you think when you're younger and you you thought that she wasn't all that fussed or, you know, engaged in, in what you were doing, did it do you think it sort of drove you to work harder or like do you feel like it was a bit of a motivator for you? Yeah, I think so. Or I think I think that's just the relationship we had. I mean, I wasn't that phased on on praise because I it wasn't a big thing for me. That wasn't what motivated me. So I guess she knew that. Yeah, right. What do you think motivates you these days? Oh, there's a lot of things, I suppose. Um, we've come quite far. Um, I've been chipping away at it for a long time, so I just want to make it make it worthwhile. I'm big on I'm big on experiences, and I think that being a professional athlete, especially being a professional triathlete, offers you sort of a colorful colorful life. You know, lots happens. And whether things are good and bad, I, I sort of believe that it's another experience and it just makes you makes life better and more exciting. Um, and that's sort of what what motivates me is just all the experiences, wanting to make those that have invested in me proud, whether it's sponsors, family and friends and coaches over the years um, and just not quitting um I feel like um yeah just not kind of being a quitter I don't I don't like that I kind of think that you should be able to choose on your own terms I guess I feel like if you you kind of quit when you're not sort of finished then it's almost like whatever you've quit has has won over you so I guess I'm competitive with not other other people, but things as well. Yeah. Do you ever remember a time where you you have quit, and maybe that's where you have become such an anti quitter? I sort of, I remember my first cross country race where the course was a little bit unclear, and they just made sure you know they picked this one girl and she was the best sort of athlete in the school um as long as she knew where she was going it was okay and I got in my head that I wanted to win and the fact that everyone thought that she was going to win drove me to win (laughs) so I, I actually remember I don't know how old I was it was in primary school but I remember tasting for the first time the kind of blood in the back of your throat where you really push hard yeah and I sort of did that just to prove a point or something yeah, right. And I and think that's I still have the same take on that. 
Yeah. So what point do you think you've got to prove right now? Uh, Just maybe that we're all stronger than we think. Like um, that we can all kind of do what we want to do. You just have to... You just have to do it and make it work. Um, I certainly don't think I've uh, I've done. I haven't achieved that what I want to achieve yet, and I just really like persistence. I think it's a really important quality um, to be able to push through, push through things. Yeah, and triathlon gives you gives you enough opportunities to work on that. That's for sure. You said earlier that, um, and we joked about it. Um, well, I mean, you joked about it. I, it was kind of a bit of a dagger in the heart to me about your age, uh, 29. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you referenced that you were, you're getting older. Um, with that in mind, I mean, I call bullshit, but with that in mind, from your <laughs> point of view, what do you see like do you do you sort of have in mind that you've got three to five years you know to get where you want to be and then it's move on to the to the next career or like what what makes you say that 29 is is old in your in your triathlon career okay well I guess it's not old in a tri. well it is and it isn't depends how you look at it I suppose I want to achieve lots of things um yeah we talked about death. We never know when we're going to die. It's a hard balance between living daily and planning for the future. Um, yeah. I, I want to, I, yeah, definitely I'd like to have a family and I would like to have another career as well as triathlon. I don't know what opportunities um, will come up or that I'll pursue or what I'll end up doing at all. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think when I first started triathlon, I thought that I'd go until I was thirty, and whatever I can achieve between now and then, um, well, that's that's that. But now that thirties uh, in a year's time, it's crept up quite quickly, so I might have to change my frame of thought a little bit. So definitely <laughs> another few years. <laughs> gotcha. And and when you are a teenager, you think that you know 30 is really quite old and you should have all your (laughs) shit together by the time you're 30 but I I don't think I've met any 30 year old who's got their shit together I mean maybe maybe, yeah that might be the circles that I run in who knows but you know yeah it's funny how that 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 changes uh over time you know because I not that I ever dreamed of getting married but I just assumed that that was kind of what happened 28 to 30 you're married and and, but the older I got, the more I was like, oh, hell no, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The goalposts definitely move. Yes. Interesting. Um, again, like I want to come back to this because you obviously have a very, um, how do I even say this, uh, level-headed kind of approach to death. And you just <laughs> flippantly made a comment before. Like, I find it quite fascinating. Do you mind if we talk about it? Uh, no, that's fine. Okay. Well, just because it's come up and then you just went, oh, yeah, and then there's death and move on. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but um, 
why was that thrown in there just then? Is it because you you sort of look at it as in like that old sort of saying, um, get busy living or get busy dying? Is it is that where you're sort of coming from, that it's all about, you know, seizing the moment, um, living every day to its fullest? Is that where you're sort of coming from because you're very aware that there is an end, there's an end game? Well, not quite because I'm very focused on the future and setting myself up and making sure I have options. So I certainly don't think that I am one of those people that just lives every day to the complete fullest. I I think that the people that can do that, I actually really appreciate. Um, but I guess I've just known a few people who have been close to me where that has been the case and they haven't been prepared for it. So I'm just aware of reality, really. I'm just, I just think it's quite a frank thing. Have you ever watched the show Good, A Good Place? It's no. A Good Place? <laughs> I should watch it, should I? It's really good. Um, it's with Kristen Bell and Ted Danson and it's a really – interesting perspective on the afterlife um it's very clever uh it may be one of my favorite movie uh, favorite tv shows because it's just got many many different levels if you like like comedy as well yeah that sounds good it's really it's really clever um yeah i highly highly recommend it um and i reckon if you like a bit of comedy that's like that smart comedy, then that's a show for you. Yeah, clever, a little bit witty. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Kristen Bell's like far out. She's she's the greatest, greatest, greatest <laughs> ever. Um, hey, we've got two questions that we uh, finish off our podcast episodes with. Um, have you ever listened to the Wits Up podcast? Yes. Oh, so you might know what's coming. I think so. I don't know if you make the question. Well, yep, I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to stick my foot in it or anything. All right, let's go with the first one. What are you currently obsessed with? Oh, that was the second question. What am I currently obsessed with? Yep. Um, I did think about this. Alex, uh, Alex said Instagram followers, and that I should finish watching that new Netflix movie on social media. I'm on, I'm not really obsessed. I just need my 10,000 so I can do the swipe up because it's a very useful function. But I'm probably obsessed with um, learning at the moment because Meg has been buying the newspaper every second day and we are very poor at the trivia section. And so I quite like, you know, looking up the answers and then expanding on who's who. Um I've also got a recent subscription to the Time magazine, so I'm looking to broaden my my knowledge oh, horizons. I like that. I actually think Meg sent me a a snapshot of a cryptic crossword that she finished the other day. Would she is right? very good. She is very good. I give her massive mm. credit on the uh, puzzle section, the word based puzzle section. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do. I do. I quite like the, that kind of. I mean. I'm surprised I haven't got into cryptic crosswords because I actually I quite like trying to because it's not just about language it's about um, recognizing patterns and things like that with the cryptic crosswords. Mm, um, it's very clever. Just, yeah, yeah. I've never got into it though, but I'll do that one day maybe <laughs> when I've got nothing. 
but I like that. I think um, I think that's cool. And I, I feel oh, I um, I like that you're actually purchasing a copy of a new, like a hard copy of a newspaper. That's cool. Yeah, it's great. I think it, the digital version comes free as well. But then the problem is when you're looking at stuff on your phone, is all of a sudden something will pop in your mind and you'll close the application and open another one. So if you can just mm. sit in the sun with the hard copy magazine, it's it's perfect. It's forced relaxation time. Yes, I like it. Yes. All right. I'm going to start trying to do that as well. Good. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Who is your most favorite famous Amelia? Favorite famous? What do you mean? Well, do you know of any famous Amelias aside oh. from... Amelia Rose Watkinson, Ironman Cairns champion. Oh, right, right, right. Well, Amelia Earhart's pretty cool, isn't she? Pioneer. Yeah. I think I made up a story when I was a kid about uh, how I was named after her. And then the teacher, you know, thought how, (laughs) exclaimed how amazing that was to my mum and she knew nothing of it because I'd I'd been a creative writer that day and made up the story. So clearly she ins- uh, Amelia Earhart inspired me through through my younger years. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. I love the tidbit of you making that up. <laughs> <laughs> and then the teacher throwing you on. No, your mum throwing you under the bus. Yeah, exactly. Typical. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just, yeah, just keeping you grounded. I love yeah, it. Yeah, always. Uh, which, is, which is a pun. <laughs> being grounded as Amelia Earhart as a, as a pilot. So thank you very much for coming. I actually have a series of books that we're collecting um, for Frankie. It's uh, what's it called? Little Little People, Big Dreams, I think it's called. It's a really good um, series of books. Um, we just got a, the Rosa Parks um, edition and the first one that she got was a present for her first birthday, which was Amelia Earhart's story as well. So Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Um, I like that. That's probably one of our best answers, I reckon, because the rest everyone's like, oh, God, right? Oh. Now I can't even think of any of them. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, what's one of them? Steffi Graf, well, someone asked me the question, all I could think of was Steffi Graf, who's awesome, but, I mean, she's no Amelia Earhart. Yeah, I'm pretty lucky that my namesake is just so impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and she was on, if you didn't have someone, she was who I was going to say on your behalf as well. So <laughs> I, think we've, I think we've nailed it. I'm glad you are prepared to cover me. Yeah, well, I've learnt because that question throws people. Um, so I've, I've had to prepare. Um, I don't prepare for much in these podcasts, but that one I'm starting to prepare for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, finally, um, and I've actually forgotten to do this the last few episodes that I have recorded, so this probably will catch you off guard, but do you have any final questions for me? Oh, well, I could quiz you, couldn't I? Yeah. Um, why did you start Wits Up succinctly? That's... that's it's pretty boring. I feel like I've told that story a million uh, times before. Do you know well, the answer? Well, we needed it. Yes. You answer on my behalf. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I started Wits Up? 
Oh, no, I get to ask you a question. Hold on, i got to think of a better one. You can't take the questions back over. Um, what? Wow, I should be good at this. It's kind of hard to ask a good question. Why do you? Why do who's, you? Who's your? Who's your biggest idol, and why? Those are always interesting. Oh, um, my biggest idol. Uh, I'm going to go outside of the sport just to keep things interesting. Yeah. Um, I so I love looking at other industries and learning from other industries outside of well. So in the world of sport, I love looking outside of triathlon. Uh, and learning what I can, and then outside of the world of sport, looking to other industries to see where we can learn from as well. Um, So I'm a massive fan of both Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Um, I don't know if you know who they are, but they are quite famous um, actors. Do you say actors these days or do you have to say actresses? I don't know. I think you got to say actresses, but we don't mind. We're still called Iron Men. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, very good point. Um, <laughs> let's open that can of worms at the end of an episode. <laughs> um, but Tina Fey uh, was the first female head writer at Saturday Night Live, um, which, you know, was very much a boys' club in terms of Hollywood and in terms of, uh, comedy writers. So she was a big, you know, um, pioneer in that industry. Uh, I've listened to her audio book. Um, I've followed her career. I think she's incredible. Um, but she also appears to be really quite humble. Like she's just getting shit done. Um, she doesn't like all the accolades and everything. She's just about getting shit done. And I just, I really appreciate that. Um, Amy Poehler is another female, uh, act- or another actress who's also a writer, producer, um, and she launched a thing called Amy Poehler's Smart Girls. So she used her uh, fame and her platform to help, um, you know, girls across the globe with what they're trying to achieve uh, and make a difference in the world. And she's created this platform, which which also has, um, what do you call it, um, um, scholarships and things like that that are involved in it. So idols... Sure, I'll call them mm. idols because I, I I do look up to them and try and you know see what I can learn from from them. There's obviously plenty in sport, but those two always just seem to spring to mind, and they're just I always say my favorite way to learn is through humor. I think humor is a great um, uh, a great platform or a great um, communication tool. And those two are some of the funniest people I've ever witnessed. Uh, so I think that's why they resonate really well with me because I, I like learning through humour. So there you go. How's that for an answer? I like that. I like that. The The newest Time magazine has just come out and it's they every year they do the 100 most influential people. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. Ooh. I'll have All some right. new well, inspiring people for you. All right, just yeah, flick them a- across to me. You can you can be my filter uh, and just give me you know three three or four of your top. Okay. Yeah. No, I really <laughs> like that. I think it's like cross pollination, so important. We don't do it enough. Yeah. I, exactly. I think yeah, we can all learn a lot from each other. Um, yeah, on many different levels. That's for mm. sure. 
Um, thank you so much for taking the time to sit still for an hour and have a chat to me. Oh, thank you. I'm not cross-legged anymore. It was way too hard on the hamstrings. I'm now <laughs> now in a more interesting position. <laughs> do you do yoga? Uh, no, I would like to get into it. It's it's the same thing. I I do have time for it. I haven't made time for it. Right. Yeah. I I'll just, start yoga. You wait. What were you supposed to start? You were going to start reading. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sure. I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think yoga is one of those things that, like, I I feel like I should do it. I feel like there there will be a lot out of it for me. But I've tried, and I tried when COVID first started started happening. However, yeah, uh, in back in March. And I tried to jump on the bandwagon and everyone suggested yoga with Adrian because there's a dog on the screen. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, the first, the first episode I was like, all right, I'll get into it. And all we did was like saying hi to the sun and saluting the earth <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And no dog appeared. So I was like, fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> and that, that's it. So I tried six months ago and I quit. I quit, Amelia. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, after one attempt. That's no good, hey? <laughs> hey, there we, there we got it. Oh, the, the hey. Queensland, hey. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Been here for too uh, long. That's what the last six months has done to me. Yep, yep. They've uh, Queensland has engulfed you. Uh, it's true. <laughs> with its um, <laughs> sorry, I was going to say with it, yeah, with its poor, um, poor language techniques. <laughs> uh, it's all right. It just means you fit right in. Thank you so so much for for joining me and um, yeah, recover well. And uh, what's next? What are you thinking of for the next race? We've we've lucky. We've got Harvey Bay. An awesome little ah. local race. There's Daytona as well in December. So I need to work out um, if that's going to all be worthwhile with the quarantine mm. and business class ticket to return home. But potentially that could be a very exciting race over there. Yeah, definitely. And like you say, there's a lot to consider mm. getting there and, and getting back. Yeah. Um, Mm, interesting. Well, keep us posted. Will do. Thank you so much, Steph. No worries. We'll chat to you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment, and don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness. Woo!